Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 247 and this episode is with the nutritionist at Manchester United Women, Amy O'Keefe. And Amy talked about her career, what led her to the position at Man United. She spoke about some effective fueling strategies for players, spoke about some mistakes that players make when fueling, also how we can use nutrition to optimise recovery and where we should focus um, our attention on in terms of recovery um, in regards to nutrition. She also spoke about an amazing um, thing that she did with a player where she actually went through the fasting a player was going through for Ramadan. So that was brilliant to dive into that and get some of her experiences on that as well. So you're going to take plenty away from this one. This is a nutrition-packed episode, so make sure you got your pen and paper ready. Just before we get into it, I just want to say a massive thank you to everyone that's reached out regarding last week's episode with Jordan Tyra. Um, we had a lot of people reaching out just to congratulate Jordan for his, his role at Football Fitness, but also a lot of people that resonated with a lot of things he was talking about around his career decisions and the reason why he's come out of full-time football we had a lot of people talking about that so it was great to hear from everyone I know Jordan's had quite a few messages as well so thank you to everyone that got in touch it's really nice to hear after a podcast like that that it affected so many people so just off the back of that help us out because every little helps if you've not left us reviews or shared the podcast when we speak to certain guests, they ask how many listens we get, how many subscribers we get on the podcast. So for us to get some really important conversations and guests on, it'd be great to try and grow it. So please, if you've not left us a review, leave us a Spotify review, which is literally a, flat, a click of the five stars, or head over to Apple onto iTunes, and you can leave us a short written review and click the five stars as well. We really would appreciate it. And just while we're at it... Um, just make sure you subscribe as well so you get the latest edition of the podcast into your inbox every single week and not just on Spotify or iTunes, wherever you listen to it. We're getting more and more people actually watching the podcast now as well. So if you head over to the YouTube, it's Football Fitness Federation over on YouTube, you'll get video versions of the podcast. There's also some podcast clips available over on there as well. We've got some special stuff coming um, in the next few months for the YouTube channel as well. So make sure you go and check it out if you're over on YouTube and subscribe. Just before we get into our amazing sponsors, I just want to say we are in the process of confirming our next few networking events. So if you're in a position at your club where you feel like you'd like to host an event or at least have a chat around hosting and what that actually looks like, please reach out because we're looking to book our next few events now. Um, you can drop us an email on mail at footballfitfed.com and we'll get back to you and we'll start the conversation around hosting. And if anyone wants to speak at an event as well or present anything, please do the same. Reach out and let us know. Just before we get into it, a massive thank you again to our sponsors, The Good Prep. The Good Prep is a meal prep delivery service that provides fresh, ready-to-eat, chef-cooked meals straight to your door. They offer meal plans tailored to your personal goals, current activity level and schedule. The Good Prep works closely with elite level athletes and corporates to deliver meal solutions that meet the ever-changing demands of performance and training. Their clients include Brighton and Hove Albion, the PGMOL, Commonwealth Teams, Gymshark and many more. 
Their meals are full of all the nutrients you need to keep in peak performance so you can achieve every goal you set. Plus, you can reclaim your time, eat better, move more and reduce food waste too. Their meal plans are designed to guide you through your journey to a healthier you. Take the guesswork out of healthy eating and discover the power of nutrition at thegoodprep.com. And make sure you use the code FFF15 for 15% off your first order. I've just got to say off the back of that, they have been a lifesaver for us this week. We've had a bit of a hectic week in our house. Um, late nights, not being very prepared with food. And coming home to some of the meals that those guys um, allow us to have in the fridge. Literally chuck it in the oven, 10 minutes and it's done. Um, it's an absolute lifesaver. So massive thank you to a Good Prep. Also, thank you to Hytro. Have you ever tried blood flow restriction training? For pro sport teams and athletes, Hytro is the only performance BFR brand to create pressure-validated BFR wearables that are practical, safe, and scalable, allowing you to enhance recovery and maximize athletic potential like never before. Whether in the changing room post-game, during away game travel, in the hotel, or at home, Hytro has created a simple and effective tool that allows BFR to be delivered to athletes and squads simultaneously and safely. Go and check them out at hytro.com, that's H-Y-T-R-O.com, or email teamsales at hytro.com to find out how Hytro BFR can give your squad a competitive edge. Also a huge thank you to Rezzle doing some great work in virtual reality, so go and check them out at Rezzle over on socials. And let's get into episode 247, with the nutritionist at Man United Women, Amy O'Keefe. Rezzo is the world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Whatever your team, your sport, your ability, improve your game and train like a pro. Rezzo, Rezzo. Reactions, performance, accuracy, stamina, resilience. Train at home in the Rezzo Sports and Fitness VR Training Arena. Search Rezzo, R-E-Z-Z-I-L. The world's number one virtual reality sports trainer. Available now on MetaQuest. Welcome back to the Football Fitness Federation podcast. This is episode 247. I'm delighted to welcome onto the podcast today, Amy O'Keefe. Amy, how are we doing? Good, good. Thanks for having us. Thank you for coming on. Amy is the nutritionist with Manchester United Women at the minute. So we're going to talk all things nutrition today. And I'm excited to get into it because Amy presented recently at our event in Manchester, which I've got to say went down very well. You nearly got kept there all night with questions, so that's always a good sign. Um, no, so it's great to have you on, Amy. I'm keen to get into some of the topics, but we always start in the same place, and that is on you and your background. So can you take us on a little journey through your career so far? Yeah, so background-wise, if you go back to starting with like a sporting background, so my background is football, um, from when I was like three, four Played in like boys teams all up to eleven, um, and then yeah, I guess as I got a little bit older, I like found drinking and going out partying from when I was sixteen, <laughs> and I kind of dipped in and out of it, um, and then from there, obviously being being like sporty, that's all I was interested interested in, whether it was. In school, doing PE, or in college, you're doing a B-Tech in sport. So I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I knew it was something to do with sports. But what career path, I had no idea. 
um, and then went to university. Uh, I did actually go to a university in Dundee. Um, I'm not going to say it was a mistake, but yeah, it just wasn't for me. So came back, worked, um, and then stayed in Liverpool to go to university. And then I done a, a undergrad. I think it was health, health, nutrition, fitness. Still didn't know what I wanted to do, and then decided after that I was going to work for the uh, the NHS. Went into like a child weight management program, working with um, overweight children and their families, which was really good at that time in my career. It was, it was like literally a year out of university working with, you know, really poor families as well. Um, and traveling all around Liverpool, doing after school sessions. Like it, it was really good, but it was really frustrating. And then I'd, I've always been like involved in fitness and, and exercise. So I started to go down a PT route and like the coaching route. And then I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go self-employed. I want to leave the public health sector. And then, yeah, I was self-employed for maybe seven years, completely out of education in terms of like being in any courses or anything um, studying. And then, yeah, I was working with a Liverpool youth academy player who was a female and she was injured for a whole year and then it was a stress hard stress fracture to her back and at the time I didn't know too much about why they were so common in teenagers and I started to link together that it was due to like too much energy going out and not enough energy going in potentially um, and it just triggered a interest and I I've always had an interest in nutrition, but it was definitely more of like, okay, I can, I want to take this like way further. So then I went back to university um, and then done a master's in sport nutrition at John Moores. And then, yeah, going back to university after like eight years away was so hard. Um, forgot how to do like a reference list, like writing assignments. <laughs> First assignment was shocking. Um, but yeah, it was the hardest year I've ever done um but it was all like it's opened like the biggest network um like Graham Close and James Morton and Carl Langan ever there they're a big deal <laughs> um and they put you in contact with people to give you opportunities and I think for that reason like John Moore's I've got like a massive massive um I guess I'm in debt to them forever <laughs> for that um but yeah, really good networks. And yeah, I got the opportunity to do a placement at Manchester United during my studies for six months and just treated it as a full-time job. Um, it did never been anyone before. So I was just not going to lie, winged it a little bit, as you do when you're, you know, doing a course and you're still learning. But um, yeah, I loved it. And then I guess you can say I've been there ever since. So from 20... 20 to now like from you know volunteering to one day a week to now full-time which is mental really brilliant I want I want to go into the when you started out at United in a second um in terms of the first few approaches you, you took but just going back to the the job that you have with the NHS what were some of the skill sets you feel that you developed back then obviously very different in terms of the clients and that that you were working with, but is it is a much transfer to what you do now? 
Yeah, I'd say there's loads, to be honest, Ben. So I'd say just having that, like, empathy to, like, just listen to, you know, everyone's got a story, especially around nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's a reason why that family are overweight or the children's overweight. Um, she, you did get parents, like, pouring the heart out to you. Um, and so, yeah, I think being a really good listener and... Yeah, showing that you you really care, um, and showing that bit of empathy, I think, has definitely transferred over to working day to day with females. I think nutrition is complicated, um, and with that much stuff going around the media and you know different people reading different things, um, but also you know some of the United Girls, their history of nutrition, like. For one, a lot of them haven't got any education history. And for two, I feel like sometimes females just try every diet in the book. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I guess just having that, like, real-life understanding of where people have came from, I think it opened my eyes a lot to there's always, like, a why behind something. Yeah, it makes complete sense. So going into that role then at United, when you first started and you've got obviously three years less experience of what you've what you've got right now, what was the first approach that you took? Like practically, what were the first things that you put in place? So do you know what? Um we're doing like an like a needs analysis questionnaire. So it was basically just a like a Billy Basic nutrition questionnaire, and it was just for me to assess what they knew, whether they even knew what carbohydrate was whether they um, knew what protein was, what it does. So it just covered basics. It covered things like around like match day nutrition, like what did you do? Um, and then from that, it gave us like a, and it was anonymous. Um, and it just gave us like a, a really good insight into, okay, this is, that needs work, don't really need to touch base on that. So just give more of like a, a priority list. Um, But when I looked at the list, I was like, <laughs> I don't know how to section it off and how I actually now f- you know, ask for the time to have with different players because it, it had never been done before. So that was really, um, I'm not going to say hard, but I think, yeah, I did make a conscious effort as well, thinking back now to like just sit with the players around like meal times, and it it was pure. It was so awkward as well. It was actually <laughs> not worse than like a stranger just sitting trying to make conversation. Um, but I was very aware that I needed to get to know them as well at the same time. Um, yeah. So I'd say for the first couple of weeks, it was it was purely conversations while I was making this questionnaire. Um. And it just gives more of like a plan. So even though I only had maybe six months, maybe a bit less, um, it just opens up conversations as well, which I think was the main thing. Um, so that was the first action point. So it was more about the, I'm trying to think now, there was like a group education session and then there was a, then when then when you obviously start to get to know people, they were like, "Oh well, like the lunch is rubbish, or I hate that on breakfast." <laughs> so they start like opening up and getting honest. Yeah. Um. So then it was a lot of it was, you know, communicating with the catering team, 
Um, and at the time, we were at Lee Sports Village, which was a it's like a rugby rugby stadium anyway. Um, there was a lot of going backwards and forwards and trying to just make small tweaks to catering with a very small budget. Um, and those easy wins, literally just adding bagels to breakfast, like I was a hero. So, right. um, <laughs> just things as small as that, like what have they got for breakfast and what what can we, I guess, cheaply add in. Um, so it made a few people happy early on, which, which I think <laughs> maybe that's why I'm still here today. <laughs> it, it ties in with exactly what you were talking about before, though, with that empathy, doesn't it? Because you've basically mm-hmm. freed time up to find out more about them and they're only going to become more open once they've got that relationship with you. And I know there is that awkward time, isn't there, when you're the newbie and <laughs> no yeah. one really wants to speak to you. Oh, uh, yeah. But when they do get to know you, obviously that is more likely when they are going to give you the information that you, you're you trying to dig around for, aren't you, in a, in a subtle way? Yeah, and I think what I also was very aware of, that the whether it's just this team in general, this team specifically, or it's a, you know, a team thing across the board. I feel like I got way more, like, buy-in and trust from the players because they knew that I was not going anywhere. Like, I wasn't just, like, here, you know, maybe doing a course for one day and then you'll never see me again. I think yeah, they knew that I was there for, like, six months and I was always on, like, like you know, the end of a WhatsApp. So I think because I was there for a sustained period, it, it really helped um, with that like relationship building. Cause I think that's just, for me, that's the most important thing. And like some players, you'll never have like the best relationship kind of thing. You can't be like, you know, brilliant with every single person, but um, you know, if you can be like that with 80, 90% of the team, it has like a, a positive knock on effect to, someone that may be a bit shy or have a complicated relationship with nutrition and not really want to approach you or ask you. Like, I guess the more open other people are and, I'm, you know, players talk, I'm, I'm not stupid. Um, I've seen, like, that positive knock-on effect of, oh, come on, just just ask it or just message it or, do you know what I mean, once you get to know yeah. someone. Yeah. Mm. The, the other thing with that is that they, they've seen – the impact straight away, haven't they? I know you met, you said there about the bagels for breakfast, but that is literally a, an example of them mentioning something and something physically happening, isn't it? Yeah. So yeah. then they're recognising it, that there's a change thing. happening. Yeah. Because yeah. I think a lot of people say they're going to do things, and I'm sure I've done it in the past and not delivered on it, but yeah. players don't forget either. <laughs> no, so, that's so you true. Know, try and just always like back your word up and you know, you're going to, hit some red tape sometimes but you know what, what I found in the past is just tell the players you know try to do this it can't happen at the minute you know for one reason or another I guess I've made mistake in the past of trying to do something to to change being told no and then not feeding back and then it looks like I haven't actually been doing anything so yeah yeah steep learning curves <laughs> yeah that's just that honesty and that transparency with players isn't it yeah definitely yeah. With, with those initial questionnaires was there anything when they fed back to you that you were surprised about or was it was it things that you expected really in terms of the experience and knowledge level uh do you know what I was a bit surprised because because I'd never been in a an elite sport environment before or worked with elite athletes I was naive enough to think that 
they would have like a basic level of nutrition understanding. Um, but what I didn't understand until I was in it was, you know, three, two and a half, three years ago, like the group of players, they hadn't been through like an academy like like boys do. Um, so really, this education that I was, you know, planning on delivering was for some of them the first time, which made loads of sense in the end when I was like, oh, so you haven't you haven't had support at under 21 level or unless you've been selected for a national team and you've been lucky enough to have the odd presentation back like a, a few years ago. There really wasn't. So I was a bit shocked when I was like, oh my God, like some of them actually don't can't actually identify three carbohydrate sources. Yeah. Um but there's a lot of context to it and it made a lot of sense once I started to understand the bigger picture of where they came from and the fact that they hadn't been really through a you know a thorough academy development system either. But on a career level, I suppose, for a nutritionist listening, that's a massive opportunity, isn't it? Because we're now talking about Man United, which I know that has changed across the three years since you've been there a mm-hmm. hell of a lot. But there's still going to be a hell of a lot of clubs out there in a sim or a hell of a lot of players in a similar mm-hmm. position to what you're talking about there, which means there's a lot of there's a lot of opportunity, isn't there, for nutritionists, young nutritionists to reach out, offer services, and probably not expect it to be as as uh, well established a program as what you think it would be. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. Because even even now, and I'll be completely honest with, um. You know, like what it looks like at Man United. Even we call the academies um, RTCs. So even there, even with that now, there's still there's still not a you know a season long nutrition education program that can be fully facilitated by nutrition staff, not even sports science staff. Like you know, there's a structure there which placement students like myself um have created over the past two or three years but it, it's it's still not fully implemented so it's like you know if if you are someone who is looking to get into nutrition or looking for opportunities like I'm I'll tell you now if Man United's RTC like you know you're always short staffed aren't you especially in women's football mm. like my advice would be to can you get into an RTC or can you volunteer around youth athletes? Because the more education they get, like the easier, you know, once they get to that transition to 21s, well, 18s, 21s, first team, like the, the smoother transition it will be. So, yeah, I guess don't always aim for first team. You know, I was I was lucky enough that it kind of happened like that for me. But, um, you know, there's no like disregard anyone starting in an academy and, and, you know, educating that pathway. It's like so, so important. Yeah, no, that's a great point. I wanted to discuss about effectively fueling players, getting the effective fueling for performance. So just before we go into it in a bit more detail, what are some of the first things that spring to mind for you when we're talking about fueling, some main considerations that players, coaches, nutritionists need to make around fueling for a match day. Um. Yeah. It's like what what are they doing the day before is the biggest question. Um. You know the research doesn't lie. Like the 
the most important day is match day minus one, so the day before a game. Um, like what does that day look like? Whether it's from a club perspective, like a training day perspective that you you're part of or not part of, or what what does it look like for the player? Whether you know the you don't see them that day, so they're fully in control of what they're doing, and that would be the first. I guess low hanging fruit that I'd, I'd I'd ask questions around, like you know what time you're getting up on a match day minus one, you know what does breakfast look like if it if there is any, especially with like youth athletes, it's a bit of a nightmare for breakfast and things. But um, yeah, what does that look like first? And there's, I'll tell you now, there's so there'll be so much work that I'm still doing match day minus one stuff now, and I've been there three years. Yeah, like there's always you know tweaks and you know new players coming in so you recycle that information um so i think that that's like the most well that is the one of the most important starting blocks that you can begin with yeah brill i know this might be sort of nailed down to each individual because you've got a lot of individual cases haven't you within in team environment but are there any sort of mis- mistakes if we're going to call it that that players make around fueling that you see commonly good question Mistakes. I'm going to say when I first started, I think you can call it a mistake or you can call it like the fact that you were unaware is like having a bigger portion of pasta or rice or anything the day before a game is not carb loading. So there was a lot of I guess education needed around what carb loading actually was, um, and showing them the volumes of food or fluids that can be consumed to hit, you know, the the required amount. So, so I guess that's not answering the mistake question. Um, no, I think it is to a point though, because that's I suppose that's a that's like an awareness or an education, mm-hmm. isn't it, that they've not got at that time. So yeah. you're you're giving them that because I think that's that's I think if you speak to anyone on the on the street that you try and get to pick out specific information like that about round nutrition, the majority of people aren't going to know, are they? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah. And sometimes with that travel, like, so adding in travel the day before a game, um, like obviously it's just like so common with WSL when you've got away games, um, like, Say a player isn't hungry at lunch after training, or maybe they are, but they're in a rush. You know, they're late off the pitch. They need to just grab something. They need to get showered. They need to pack. They need to go on the coach. Like for me, you can call it mistake, or you can call it, you know, bad time management. Like not, not. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Consuming enough in that moment, like. So if you've only got 10 minutes, like make the most of that 10 minutes, take it yeah. on the coach if you want to. So I guess that's more about like educating them around the importance of not missing a meal or missing part of a meal. Um, Cause it has a, you know, it has a knock on effect to the next day. So I guess taking each meal time really seriously and thinking about, you know, if it is lunch that you're having and it's, I don't know, chicken, rice and veg, you know, realistically, that's not going to be enough. Like you need to add, I call them boosters. 
So whether it be like a fruit juice, a piece of fruit, um, you know, like an energy snack bar, like what does what does that look like? So if you are in a rush, like what are those like non-negotiables that um you need to tick, whether it's a, a, a normal training day, a match day, match day minus one, whatever it is. And then that education then, does that make that easier to manage the individuals? Because you're basically giving them the education on what their priorities are. Mm-hmm. And then obviously, because obviously with nutrition, you've got individual likes, dislikes and all the rest of it. So it becomes, I imagine it becomes quite hard work to get every individual individual case. But with mm-hmm. that education, I'm guessing it makes it easier because you're giving them the priorities, you're giving them like the blueprint, aren't you, of what, what they're doing and yeah. why they're doing it? Yeah, and with a lot of, Players, I think, you know, it's it's not for me to give them a, let's call it like a match day minus one plan, because it might work for one player out of the 25. Because if I give them a plan, a lot of the time it's my preferences. So some of them have obviously made their own match day minus one plan. And I think this might be a common thing. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Not really spoke about it before, but the... Our players like consistency, so we have like the same um, match day minus one lunch and dinner, um, like each week. Um, so you know it's not hard to pick your breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's just them finding, you know, how they can hit the targets with the snacks. Um, but yeah, with with education, of a few like nudges, and it doesn't have to be group education. It can purely be. You know, just grabbing them like when you're walking up to the gym, or just seeing what they're eating without being like the food police, but then just being like, oh, um, you didn't have any, I don't know, pure fruit juice with that. Like, top that up next time, easy win, and just see if they do it the next time. But yeah, I'm not. I don't know whether this is right or wrong. I don't like sit and eyeball what they're eating all the time. Like, it's not. I don't find that quite like a comfortable thing to do. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's nothing wrong with, like, walking through the food room and just having a glance and, like, you know, touching base every now and again. Um, I don't want, like, my presence to end up being a negative, if that makes sense. I don't want to be eyeballing all the time what they're having to eat. Yeah. No, it's like a fine line. <laughs> yeah, no, I think so. And also people act in different ways, don't they, when they feel like they're being watched all the time. <laughs> it probably leads to a bit of dishonesty and all the rest of it as well. But yeah. I also think what you mentioned before, that when you speak to players on an individual basis and then they go away and they have conversations, those conversations are probably more important, isn't it? Like, oh, Amy was telling me about whatever the topic is and to consume this gives me this for this reason. They then go and tell two teammates and straight away you've affected three people from one conversation. Yeah. And then it, and then it spirals from there, doesn't it? So, so I think those are the that's the key way, I think, of making a big impact across a team, isn't it? Having those conversations. Yeah. And I think this, this like pre-season and season onwards, like that's like a massive focus to really, because, you know, and you'll know in football, there's never, you know, a lot of time. um, And it feels like time gets less and less as the season goes on. So I think getting those like consultations in early, um you know, whether it's a sit-down formal one or it's literally just like when players are walking over to the gym and you're kind of doing like an off-the-cuff, um, you know, consultation with them, like in your own head kind of thing. Um, 
and an action in them. So it doesn't necessarily. I've done a lot of group work. Um, definitely the first two years, and then touch base with a few of it. Season just gone, but it was I definitely. I was more biased towards speaking to players on their own or just grabbing them for you know two or three minutes here and there, but given the environment that we work in, like it's quite a really well, it is a really small space with no privacy really at the minute. But we're moving into a new building, so I think from like my standpoint and how professional my service can be, you know, it hasn't worked with what we've got and adapted. But I think you know going into this season, we pretend well we will be in a new building after pre-season. I think so. Having that room where you've got your own privacy and space, it can only help players open up a bit more and not be worried that people are maybe listening in and listening to maybe any struggles that they've got. Yeah, I think that's really important, isn't it? The privacy side of it. And, mm -hmm. and that obviously grows the trust and everything then, doesn't it? And the willingness to open up from players as well. Yeah, yeah. Especially when, you know, and we've not got a bad environment around like talking about periods and menstrual cycles. Um, it's a really good culture around it, to be honest. Um, our previous performance coach, El Turner, she done like a really good job around just normalising conversation. And I think, um, you know, as as normalised as the conversation is, it's still always nice to be able to, you know, go into a bit more detail with a member of staff in a private space. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. No, that's brilliant. Um, I wanted to ask Amy as well, but I didn't mention this to you before, but I've just thought of it and I thought it's quite an important topic. In terms of nutrition, you see a hell of a lot of trends, don't you? Like popping up all the time. Like social media is obviously a big impact on that. How do you find that works with players? Do you find it captures players' attention and they come and ask questions to you? Or do you find that players are just trying things out on in terms of their nutrition? Yeah, I think um so beginning of last season, was it? Um maybe it was a little bit earlier, like so during the off-season. Few players just decided that they were going to go vegan, but with like no, you know, forward thinking plan of like what that actually looked like. <laughs> so, you know, a few players like lost unnecessary weight because there was no plan. Um. So yeah, that was a that was a little bit annoying, but you know, it just shows how, you know, easy people are influenced. Whether you watch something on the telly or you read something or. Another players just started doing something, so you're like, oh, you know, I'll have a little try of it. Um, and I'm, I'm all, I'm all for, you know, trying different, I guess, ways of eating and fueling, but there's got to be like some kind of conversation first. But I'm just trying to think of the trends that I've seen. I definitely like vegan, and then some people, um, just randomly cutting out red meat. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, we with no real you know, definition of the of why. Um and then I'm just trying to think. Like this hasn't happened with players um at all, but like I feel like a big trend that I'm seeing at the minute is like fasting. And I'm not mm -hmm. saying this is, you know, in female footballs or anything. I guess it's more of a um what what just the average Joe is doing. Um so I'm interested to see what if anyone mentions anything or has been trying any type of fasting during the off season or they mention anything when we go back in for pre season. Um, 
yeah, because I'm again, I'm not against anything like this, but there's, there's got to be an edu- there's got to be a reason, like there's got to be a rationale, um, you know, and it can't impact performance at all. And that's got to be the takeaway message, I think, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, because what someone at the um the presentation when we were last there a couple of weeks ago asked around a question around do any of any of your athletes um perform like the sleep what is it uh god me man's blank um train low sleep low method where yeah. you know recovering with really minimal carbs from like a fat loss perspective or a, like a increasing and um, like you know cardiovascular health perspective kind of thing but and that is something that was a really good question actually because that was something that I was you know I was on a lot of you know CPDs and we learned a lot about about it in university um but in my current environment like it's something that I've never not 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 never thought about but I just don't know you know when you're getting we just wouldn't bring players in to train faster than things like mm. Um, I'm not saying we never will, but um, from that like sleep low, train low approach, and that's another way of um, you know manip- manipulating uh, calorie intake. That's not happened, um, but it could be you know popular in in other clubs or maybe more in men's football. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. If you are a member of our online community, make sure you go and check out Amy's recent presentation she did for us at our Manchester networking event. It's available now in the network meeting presentations tab of the community, so you can go and give it a watch. She expands on a lot of the things she touches on on this podcast. She talks about some of the challenges that she's faced at United and some of the things that she's put in place with players to really make the most out of what she's doing. Um, there's some real key takeaways in that presentation as well obviously very visual with the presentation too so make sure you go and check it out if you're not a member of the community the good news is you can get a free month by going to footballfitfed.com click the community tab and sign yourself up there it'll give you a 30-day free trial of the community so you can access access presentations just like amy's and get full access to the the full content that's available on there right now after your free month, after your 30 days, it becomes a paid membership. Once you become a full member of our online community, you also get access to our members' WhatsApp, where there's some great information and valuable uh, conversations between our members. You also get access to all the members that are on the community as well. So you get, if you've got any performance questions that come up within your role, you can post them in the WhatsApp group and get a number of different perspectives and experiences um, in reply in the WhatsApp group as well. So go and check it out, footballfitfed.com. Click the community tab, sign yourself up there to a free 30-day trial. Here's part two of the podcast with Amy O'Keefe. No, I think there's some really key messages in there. And I think a lot of it comes back to making sure you're having conversations and I suppose also where you're getting your information from as well, isn't it? Um, Yeah. I was going to ask just on that as well. If people ask that, because that's probably going to be a follow-up question from this sort of a topic. Well, how do I find out what information is good, what information I should be ignoring in terms of socials or or anything? Would you direct people in any sort of, any way, obviously for yourself, but anyone else? I know you mentioned a few people before, like Graham Close and people like that. Um, Would there be anyone else? You're trying to think who puts really good content on like James Mohan puts really good content on his socials um 
you know, and there's many links to different articles to, you know, back up the reasoning behind different, um, you know, nutrition strategies and things. So he he put some really good stuff on. Um, just like Instagram, this is more boxing focused, but it can it can translate. Like I, you know, save a lot of stuff and um, bookmark a lot of things from it. Like the fight dietitian, like put puts a lot of good like nutrition and real life on the ground information out, but. You know, if you are really thinking about changing something for an athlete or um, maybe testing it on yourself first, just read, research and read studies first, like see what is out there in the literature and, um, and then maybe go a bit wider with the whole Instagram as long as you're taking it with a pinch of salt if it's not, you know, referenced or anything. Yeah, definitely. The other thing I wanted to speak about was nutrition for recovery. And I know you spoke a little bit before about the timing and um, consuming certain foods and stuff like that. But again, what are some, some of the main considerations around recovery, recovering from game to game? Yeah, I'd say like thinking about, you know, does the player have one game in that week to recover from? Is the two, is the three? Um, because then... You know, you need to map out what that week looks like, what the menu looks like, um, what the intakes for the players that have started look like compared to, you know, the players that haven't really played many minutes. Um, you can't really give that blanket approach. Um, so I think looking at, you know, what are the demands for that week for players and then, you know, fitting around kickoff times, um, travel, like what does that look like? Where are they going to be when they're recovering? Are they on a coach? Are they at home on a plane? Um, but I guess like some like nutri- I call them like nutrition non-negotiables, like protein. Like after a game, I'm always like protein and carbs. So you know your typical recovery shake like within the hour of the final whistle, and then a balanced meal within the two hours. Um, I say balanced meal, obviously bias more towards carbs and protein but having some veggies and colour in there as well um, and then yeah like what are they doing the day after the game is it a night game because they're still going to be recovering in the morning and um, what does that breakfast look like so yeah I think just mapping if you if, if there's anyone listening that is thinking of you know trying to map out you know a congested fixture period or even just one game weeks um, just like thinking of those you know aspects around a player's week and how I guess we can best make life a whole lot easier without players having to think much um yeah protein and carbs like obviously massive for for recovery um and then do they need more if there's another game in three days like you know the answer is yes but you know how how do you do that how do you take that thought process away or not necessarily take it fully away, just make it easier for the players to decide when they're away from you. Yeah, I know you spoke, and it probably seems like a really small change, but I think it, like after games, when it's chaos and players obviously in your situation got media duties and all the rest of it to do after games, you said, didn't you, on the, the event around putting the shakes on their in their place and that making such a big difference. And I think little things like that where you can... It probably seems really small. Like, why can't they just get it from from wherever it, wherever it is? But it, 
those little things make a huge difference, don't they, for a player? Yeah, and I think, you know, I've I've learned the hard way and, you know, I've tried to, you know, follow players around the pitch and give them the shakes and <laughs> it just it just doesn't sometimes it's worked in the past, but you know, with more fans wanting attention, like post game just looks different than it did, you know, 18 months ago. Yeah. Um it's not like a you finish playing the coming in. There's a lot of time spent not on pitch, but you know, for the sake of five, ten minutes, well, for some players it could be a bit more, like <laughs> right low wrongly, I just go and put it on the spot. Um and then they can they have it when they come into the changing room. Um so yeah, little things like that. Like, you know, I've never read that in a in an article or whatever. It might not work in Chelsea or City. Um mm. but it works here. So until but saying that, like there are there are some players that will, you know, they want that shake in that moment, like even before you're getting into a huddle at the end of the game, uh, after the final whistle. So, you know, I'm I'm saying like you know, 80, 90% want it inside and not when they're walking around clapping, signing autographs. Yeah. And that, again, that just comes back to everything we've mentioned, isn't it? Knowing the players, um, mm-hmm. just finding more about them and working with them over time. You learn, you start learning that, don't you, from each individual. Yeah, you can also start to learn which ones you'll give it to on the pitch and you'll just <laughs> put it down to sign something and never pick it up again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, always good, always, always helpful. Um, you mentioned before about fasting and one area I wanted to touch on I saw recently that you um, you basically went through a fast through Ramadan yeah Um, so where where did that come from and what will you give people a little bit of background as what that actually involves as well yeah so um, yeah we had our first um, Muslim player um signed for Manchester United in July of last summer and we have we had a we have a Muslim member of staff and he performed you know uh, Ramadan which is a period of 30 days 30 nights of fasting so um and then you also within those 30 days you commit to prayer which you know I I didn't do I just done the fasting but um, for practicing Muslims, you commit to prayer up to like five times per day. Um, so from dawn till dusk. So say, for example, the sun rises at, let's say, 6 a.m. for number's sake, then you're, you would have to have your food and drink, um, you know, finished by 5.59. And then, for example, say the sun sets at 8 p.m. that evening, you have nothing to eat or drink until the sun sets. So um, I done it that way for our player um, and other other Muslims. They do they practice Ramadan in a, not in a different way, but they go from something called I can't I can never pronounce it the hair or it's who I don't really know. I call it all different things. Um, so theirs is even earlier. Than sunset, so it's from Sahir. So it's you know sometimes it was an hour earlier, um, right. sometimes a bit more. So because then they would eat and drink, and then they would pray until sunset. Um, so yeah, mine was the basic sunrise to sunset, and it happens every year. 
but it changes. It's never the same time every year. It changes with the cycles of the moon. Um, and so if I'm right in saying it's going to move backwards three weeks than what it was this year. So, you know, I, you know, people were like, oh, my God, it was amazing what you've done. And, you know, it, it was really good. But, you know, I'm, I've got so much respect for, you know, athletes and, you know, any, any other Muslim that does it in the summer, like the height of summer now, because, yeah. you know, sunset is later. So the, and, you know, the heat really impacts everything. So, um, yeah, I, I think it would have been a, well, it would have been a whole different ball game if Ramadan fell, you know, middle of June or right now, um, I don't know where I'd look back on it with fond memories. To be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, we had our own, we had our first player and um, I don't know. I was just like, you know what? I've never worked with the Muslim player before who's, who's, who's done this. And I felt like the only way for me to really learn and like understand was to do it, like do it myself. And, you know, I wasn't training during the normal daytime. I was, you know, around lunchtime, like, our player was but I was training in the morning so I used to get my training done um before sunrise so I used to get up super early train then eat and then um then go to work but you know and then but for our player we train in the middle of the day so I, I can't fully say that we've done it the same way um but yeah it's funny looking back because when I was making these like nutrition plans based on everything I was reading and, and people I was speaking to you know I thought these plans were you know she just has to get so many calories in, in the morning so many calories in, in the evening but then when I was actually doing it I was like wow like when I was like say 10 days in I was like I understand why players struggle with like appetite tiredness um like fatigue so it, like for our player, it just wasn't as easy as like me splitting the calories down the middle and go and have so much here and then the rest at sunset. Mm. Um, because there was just so many different things going on. And um, yeah, sometimes she actually slept through an alarm because she was that tired, which obviously I was like, oh, I can't do that. But then like I, I understood it. Um, so I look back on those like nutrition plans now and I would, just, I, you know, the content is correct, but the context, I didn't have it, but I've got it now. Um, but yeah, I've got so much respect for for that. They, and they do it every single year. I've only done it once. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, in terms of like building trust and respect with players, like I don't think there's anything bigger that you can do than that. So full respect to you for doing it. Um, but I mean, in terms of nutritionally, when you look at that, that just shouldn't work, should it? Players shouldn't be able to train. They shouldn't be able to play. But it's just fascinating. You see it all the time, don't you, with players playing at the top, top level, mm-hmm. um, that they're still competing. They're competing at a really good level as well. So yeah. I know you've not, probably not got an answer to this, but how how do they do it? Honestly, like, your body is amazing at adapting, isn't it? And, like, my body adapted to not being thirsty after, like, three days. So, like, my need for thirst... You know, I found that the easiest thing, whereas our player found thirst the hardest and food the easiest. Right. Um, so, you know, everyone's different. And, you know, some players, um, I guess there's different 
you can not bend the rules, so to speak, but, you know, if a player, if it really was too hot or, you know, a player may decide to swill their mouth with fluids and spit it out. Yeah. Or, you know, there's some players that allow themselves to have a drink during training, um, you know, and, and they're still they're still practising Ramadan. There's just a lot of different, um, I guess, ways to do it, but you've got to speak to your community and things like that. So, um, yeah, all I can say is your body adapts and adapt, man adapted in really quickly to, you know, not being thirsty. So just being dehydrated like for 10 hours a day. Um, but yeah, like, you know, what game was I watching? I think it was like, an, it was an Everton game um, and Decore um, plays with men's team. Um, like he broke his fast, didn't he? Like during like an eight o'clock kickoff, yeah. um, and yeah, and like is his capacity to you know distance covered and everything during a game? <laughs> it honestly just blows my mind. I don't know. But then also what I I appreciated was you know I was so committed to it and I wasn't doing it for a bigger purpose to like you know to get anything back. You no, know, like to. to I wasn't praying to anyone or, you know, I wasn't religious in that sense, but I was still very committed. So I really understood why, like, our player, and, you know, you can use Decore as an example, like, they would, like, run to the end of the earth to sacrifice the body because they believe they're going to, you know, get positive, you know, things back. So, I, like, I, I get, I, I get like, the power of religion in that sense because yeah. people were like, why are you still doing it? Like, you you know, you're not you're not Muslim. And I was like, I know. <laughs> but now I know how powerful their belief is. Yeah. And how they'll just, you know, do it in the heights of summer. Yeah, no, it makes complete sense. And I, you, I think you really struggle to understand it fully. And probably still, isn't it? But yeah. Yeah, um, you'd have a much better understanding from going through that. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure the player has got so much respect for you for doing that and um yeah I, th- I think it's incredible it's incredible that, that they can do it and perform at such a high level I, th- I find it amazing but yeah and with that relationship thing like it really did bring us closer together so, look, she was a player that didn't speak great English when she first came um and you know it got better and better over time and then you know when she couldn't believe it that like we because we also I'm not going to take like obviously full credit for doing it but we also had different members of staff, like just doing it for a day or two days. We had a, a catering assistant who done it as well for, yeah. um, I don't know if it's the whole thing or it was like three weeks out of the four. So we had different members of staff dipping in at different times, which was just amazing. Um, like some players were like, can we do it? I was like, mm. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but you know, it just created like a really. Yeah, a bit of a buzz, and the yeah. player because the player used to play in Spain, and you know, I, I'm, I'm assuming that no one's ever like you know volunteered to do it before, so she was completely blown away, um, mm. and it definitely brought the whole team closer together, and that I didn't, I, and I didn't think that it would have. It was just a byproduct of conversations, and um, yeah, just a bit of like a nice vibe together. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. 
I'm sure we could we could do a whole podcast on just that alone because I think <laughs> yeah. it's uh, yeah, and maybe we should at some point. But no, it's really really cool. And um, Amy, we always finish the podcast with the quick fire questions. Mm-hmm. So I want to just put these across to you. In terms of the first one, what who've been some of the biggest influences on your career so far? Yeah, I would say. Um, so a performance coach that I used to work with, El Turner. So she was the person that was the performance coach when I first started at Manchester United. Um, and she was like support wise, she was like amazing. She really made me think of things from like a different angle. So it was, you know, something as simple. And I'll, I'll never forget, I don't know why, I've, I don't know what why it always sticks in my mind, but on like a match day, you know, the first few match days they ever work, like she was just chilling, eating it, sipping on like a hot chocolate, you know, cool as a cucumber. And, you know, it's chaotic, isn't it, on on a match day for for a lot of staff and, and everything. And then there was, and then she just mentioned like why, she was just like, you know, I don't want to give off any, you know, stressed or anxious feeling like around, you know, a match environment. And it I was just like, oh yeah. Like it just <laughs> made both sense. Um and she just said if a player sees you stressed and it'll just have a, a knock on effect. Um mm. so just like I guess golden nuggets like that. And she just gave me the support that um like I needed at that time and like helped um like push me in the right direction because uh, she was the one that was, I guess, overseeing nutrition um, at the time as performance coaches like have to do still. Um, so yeah, she was like great for like being a mentor um, like really, really early on in my career. And I'd say it's still early on now, but at the very, very start. Brilliant. Episode 208. Anyone that wants to listen to Elle speak? <laughs> <laughs> I had to check it now while you were speaking. Um, <laughs> the next one is, what would you say your biggest strength is? And I'm sure you've probably mentioned quite a few already, but what was your biggest strength as a practitioner, do you think? I would say being able to understand females and I don't mean that like, and I mean it from like an angle from, you know, when you just know that someone's not having a good day, like it's like a female, female mm. thing. <laughs> or like, you know, you look at someone and you go, yeah, like you don't really need to go near them today or you do need to go near them today. Kind yeah. of, kind of vibe. And I think just understanding the mood, the moods, and the roller coaster of emotions that females go through across a month, um, and also from like a nutrition perspective, like I've made the mistakes in the past. Like you know, I take training really seriously. I've you know competed in a lot, a lot of different things and different sports, and I've made a lot of nutrition mistakes. So I can always relate when you know a player might not have eating properly before a game or they haven't got an appetite around the period so I can I feel like I can definitely just be that normal human and I think it's quite a nice not nice but like it's a job role that you know you're not a coach you're not that like compulsory member of staff 
you're quite a new evolving member of staff. Um, and I think you get a lot of conversations that maybe an assistant coach might not get from from a player. Um, so yeah, I think I think that I don't even know whether I'd give you like a proper answer, but um, just being able to like understand and, and listen. Um, and I am that person to just always go the extra mile, and I, I can create problems for myself by doing that. I think there's a fine line. <laughs> um, but I'll never forget, like I got a it's like an end of season awards, and it was like a really like jokey one, but there was some serious parts in it. Um, last season, my award was like the unsung hero award, and I was like, oh, that's actually like I didn't realize, you know, the things I was doing. I just thought they were normal, but um, I guess little things go a long way, and you know, a a really small staff team with that stretched, um, and. I guess players notice, which I didn't really think they did. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Another really important lesson, I think, for people there. Mm-hmm. When some, you're not always going to get people acknowledging it at the time, are you? But people do appreciate the extra work. Um, yeah. No, it's a great point. Apart from come back to Liverpool, mm-hmm. if you speak to Amy that went up to Scotland, in terms of career advice, if you were to speak to Amy at that point or... Uh, a student at that point in their career, what would be the top bit of career advice that you'd give? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, don't be... Don't worry if you're, if the plan that you've got in your head isn't happening because it took me you know, eight, nine years from that Amy that went to Dundee to really find what I wanted to do. Yeah. You know, don't worry that it's not happened in five years. You haven't gone like bam, bam, bam into a master's, into a PhD. You know, it happens for some, but because it can be normalised, can't it? It can be like, oh, this is what, that's a normal path that needs yeah. to be taken. But yeah, I'd just say, you know, if you're, you're 18 years old, you don't really know what, what you want to do. Just don't, yeah, don't be too worried that if it goes off path a bit because all those jobs that I've had in the past, like hundreds of them, I don't regret any of them because they've helped in some way, whether it be being able to speak to someone or understanding someone a little bit more. Um, I think if I had if I didn't have those seven, eight years of working with the public, I don't think I'd be able to hold conversations or, you know, relate to people that much, really. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's another great point. Because I think people don't take um, note at times how much they're developing in certain positions, mm-hmm. do they? And you, it's only years later when you reflect on things. Like we mm-hmm. spoke about it on here before. You could be in a bar, a bar job. You're, and yeah. you, you might end up working in the in the Premier League or WSL or whatever it is, but that bar job's give you um, communication skills of dealing with people yeah. in different positions. You just don't realise at the time. Yeah. So no, I think it's a great point. Like how that you can function when you're tired. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So many hours and Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Amy, final one. In terms yep. of CPD, continued development for you as a practitioner, like how do you go about that? Um, from like a club perspective, I'm I can always 
you know, there's, there's like a research and development pot fund kind of kind of thing. So I can always, if I see a, a course online, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough, you know, that if there's money in, in the budget, I can can jump on it. Um, I'm very like driven by CPD and I'm, I'm not someone that likes to stand still really. So like, you know, I have got, you know, aspirations to do a PhD or a prof doc, like however, however path, whatever path um, it it takes. But I think, I'm, yeah, I'll always, across the seat, if you think from like start of the seat to the end, I'll always try and get to a couple of conferences um, in person and online just to, because I struggle to like keep on top of like reading all the time. Um, it's something I can definitely, definitely do better, better at. Um, so I get more like motivation and drive from actually being there in person or being on a video like this kind of thing and learning than just sitting there reading, reading the paper. Yeah, awesome. Amy, this has been great. Thank you very Thank much you. for coming on. I, I knew it'd be good, so you definitely lived up to it. So I really appreciate you coming on. Um, oh, just finish us up with if people have got questions, if they want to just keep an eye with what's going on with yourself, like where would you direct them? Yes, yeah, so you can head to Instagram um committing nutrition 2020. Um Twitter. Yeah, I'm on there now again, Amy Ellen One. And then they can always drop me an email like committing nutrition at hotmail.com. I'll post all that in the show notes as well. So if anyone's got anything, I'm sure I'm sure they will reach out. But no, thank you very much for coming on. It's been great to chat again. Oh, thanks so much for the invite, Ben. I appreciate it. Massive thank you to Amy for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate her giving up her time to come on. Um, I knew it would be a great episode from meeting her at, at our recent event. Um, and she definitely didn't disappoint. So I hope you took plenty away from it. I think the first takeaway from me was in terms of everything she did with the fasting around Ramadan I think that just shows whenever you're going to take part in anything like that with the players you're just going to get huge respect obviously from the player involved but also from other players the fact that they'll look at uh, what Amy's done there and fully respect it um, she obviously mentioned as well that players wanted to join in um, so yeah I think in terms of building buy-in I know some people have referenced it before in terms of rehab so maybe joining in some more of the grueling sessions that you may be doing a rehab program but um, when we talk a lot about buy-in I'm not saying that everyone needs to go and, and join a f and do a fast like this but whenever you take part in something like this with players it's certainly going to build that buy-in so that was the first takeaway for me on this one the other thing going back to the towards the start of the podcast was she's mentioned about treating her placements that she managed to get as a full-time job. So not treating it as a placement, not treating it as though you're like the spare part, but treating it as a full-time job. So putting everything into it as she would now. Um, and that's obviously led to her having this role for a number of years now. And I'm sure that will go on as well. The other thing was finding one-to-one -one time with players. So hers was obviously to make an impact in terms of nutrition but if you're an S&C coach if you're a sport scientist can you find that individual time with players throughout the day um, it might not be in a session it's probably not going to be in a session um, that you can have that little impact with them as well and then also she said about sticking by your word and I think that's really important don't promise something that you, you don't know that you can't keep I think that's really important when we talk about 
building trust with players as well. You need to be able to say things that you can back up. And I think that's that's a really important takeaway from the episode as well. So I hope you enjoyed this one. There was certainly loads of information in it, so I'm sure you did. Please head over and leave us a review and just make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast as well. That massively helps us out. And also our, our sponsors, they help us hugely with the podcast, running it on a weekly basis. So at least go and give them a follow. Go and check out Hytro, Rezzle and also The Good Prep doing some incredible work go and give them a follow go and check out some of the work they're doing and show them some love really appreciate you listening and i'll speak to you again in episode 248